Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war a decision to stand in righteous truth is an empowering choice. It requires moral courage, integrity, and strength of character to stand up for what you believe in, even when it's unpopular or challenging to do so. It is being truly convicted and adhering to your values, no matter the consequences. It's having the courage to speak out against injustice and oppression, no matter how powerful the opposition might be. Living a life of righteousness requires us to have the strength to stand up for what is true, even in the face of adversity. In a moral society, we must make a commitment to live our lives and stand in righteous truth. Otherwise, we will have to explain to our children, grandchildren, and millions yet to be born that our failure to do so is the very reason that they are forced to live their life on their knees. This is not a conversation that I am willing to have. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit those to any of the hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop-down menu. We would love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you are able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is an incredible warrior for truth. Rebecca Mistragan is a Norwegian journalist and host at Norway's Doc TV. She has created the programs Eret Pasak, a serious talk show with a humorous twist, and document specials, an interview series focusing on the social, economic, and political consequences of the corona policy in the West. She has a bachelor's degree in the history of ideas from the University of Oslo, where she had worked for a time as a consultant at the Department of Philosophy, History of Ideas, and Art in Classical Languages. She had started her master's degree program, but withdrew when she was not permitted to write about the development of the concept of racism. Before changing course and starting her work as a journalist, she worked for several years in both the public and private sector within administration and IT. Rebecca started her journalistic career in Iriset, a Norwegian alternative online news source, after initially being rejected by document due to a lack of resources. After some time, she had the opportunity to reapply to Document and she was accepted. For Rebecca, coming to Document was like coming home. They are a tight-knit group with very high ceilings and a common goal, the truth. In her view, no workplace can compete with that. 
So Rebecca and I actually met, we met through our mutual friend, Dr. Richard Orso. And as many of you know, uh, who have been listening, I have been staying out here in Texas for a while now. And several weeks ago, I had received a text message from him telling me that there was a Norwegian journalist in town on business. And at his suggestion, I met her for lunch one day. Uh, and if you follow me at all on social media, you know that the rest is pretty much history. You know, we became pretty fast friends, and I'm certain by the end of this interview, you will understand why. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Kimberly. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor. Well, thank you. And like I, I was just saying, you know, how we met, it was just really interesting and how how quickly we we really hit it off almost immediately, wouldn't you say? Yes. And I think that's due to, you know, when you find people in in this um, very, I guess you could say, dire uh, circumstances that has been going on for the past years and and even longer in, in some some concepts, because the covid pandemic has just been um, the icing on the cake, if you if you want to put it that way, um, you, you when you meet people during times like these, um, it's really easy to connect with with people who are on your same journey or the same vibe who are searching for the truth and who is brave and not afraid. So yes, uh, instant connection there. And I'm very grateful. Oh, absolutely. It's what they, I said that early on. I said one more thing to be thankful to Dr. Richard Urso for it. Like we don't already have this like really long list, but just one more thing. I'm very grateful to him for making that suggestion. Although he did suggest initially that we have coffee together. And I was like, wait, you know, I'm on day five out here detoxing from caffeine. And he kept sending me coffee places to go to with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we're yeah, gonna, he's not listening. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give him a pass. We're going to give him a pass because it all worked out in the end. Um, but, you know, I really want to just kind of touch on, uh, you know, you're you're from Norway, but I wanted to kind of talk about what really inspired you to, to become a journalist. Oh, you know, it's um, it's quite a, a story, actually. Um, I've never been politically correct in my life. Uh, and when I started university, I I was uh, I guess in Norway you could say that the socialists are red and and the conservatives are blue, so it's quite the opposite of the U.S. But we are a socialist country, a socialist um, government, and we've been back and forth like that. Even the conservatives are are more socialist than than many other places. And when I started university, I I was a part of that mindset, you know, and. And history of ideas is a, it's a, a, a um, what do you call it? A, a way of thinking that's not like you have to think for yourself. You're looking for the little details um, that make out what really went on in history. So, because history is written by, by the winners yes. uh, and the history of ideas is not. So that's written by the people basically. So, the, so critical thinkers. Yes. And so going through that and coming out the other side, it just gave me a new way of thinking. And I actually started my movement toward towards being conservative. Um, and it made, it made a huge difference for me. And I've always been very taken with politics because I hate it when people say that, you know, like, well, I'm not political. Yes, you are. 
everyone's political. It's a part of our, our life journey. And if you're not political, that's still a choice of, you know, not caring about your community or your family or your fellow human beings. So, yeah, yeah, that was kind of the start of, of me writing and, um, I love to write. So, uh, yeah, I went into public and, and private sector working for years. And, and one day I just, it, I was banging my head against the wall because I couldn't take it anymore. It was all such a fake thing, like going to work, trying to make a career, um, being, you know, in this uh, business mindset. And I could see the world was falling apart around me. So I quit my job and didn't really know what to do. Um, and somehow uh, fell into journalism by not a mistake, but a happy mistake. I guess you could call it happy accident. The accident, yeah. So that's how that started. And I'm very grateful for that. If you asked me seven years ago what I would be doing today, I journalism would be the last last thing on my mind. But I'm very happy it turned out that way. Well, you know, and I think that, you know, as you were talking about people talking about how they're not really interested in politics, there's a a saying that when I I bring this up often, you know, if you don't take an interest in politics, politics will take an interest in you. And many people wait until it is in their backyard, literally, before they do take that interest. So it's so important to be involved, you know, whatever, whatever side you fall on, it is so important to be proactive and take a stand and support your community. Um, And I always tell people, you know, run for local office. All politics are local. I know many people uh, follow national politics, but don't have a clue about what is going on at the local level. And that's that's where the real problem is, is people are so apathetic. They're not paying attention. And while they're not paying attention or while they're paying attention to national policies, um, you know, it's it's getting out of hand at the local level. And that's where it all begins. Is it that way in Norway as well? Oh, most definitely. Um, it, it, it really it is true what you say. Uh, local politics are the most important because everything starts at a local level. Actually had a uh, for a time I was uh, checking all the protocols for for the local politics around the area. It turns out a lot of the local politicians and no uh, no political party with us have this in their program, by the way, but they still do it. So they put in um, as they wanted to to make every single uh, primary school a rainbow school. Oh, no. yeah. And this is a program that's delivered by uh, an organization for the LBTQ HQ plus uh, community. Uh, in teaching kids about, and these are small children, about uh, sexual identity, gender identity, and all of these things that they really don't need in their life, right? So, and this is all happening on local level, like you say, while they're they're paying attention, maybe, maybe paying attention to, to national politics. And so, um, yeah, local politics are super important. If parents knew what was really going on in the local politics, they would, their hair would stand up, you know? Yeah, and I, I feel like it's no longer enough to just pay attention. We actually have to take action. We have to, you know, change the butts in the seats of these political, we have to get in there, we have to run for these offices and we have to take control back because these are our children and this is their future. And if we're not standing in the gap to protect them, who is going to? 
nobody. And we have a, a sunshine story, a success story about that, actually. We have a party in Norway that's called the Conservatives, and they're um, they have been going for a while. They, they Hopefully they will uh, make more offices um, by the election this fall that we have in Norway in, in local politics. Uh, but they went and engaged a whole community in the south of Norway to make sure that this rainbow stuff doesn't happen in their local area. And they they made it. They, they prohibited they made sure that it wouldn't happen there so the whole community got together and and i guess you could say vetoed uh the local politicians so it does make a huge difference to engage with the local politicians and and keep tabs on what they're doing it really does and you know i think that probably the majority of people don't agree with what the direction that all of this is going in, but the majority of people are also afraid to speak out against the narrative. Um, I, I don't think that they agree with it, but they're just afraid of what it will look like or what how other people will view them. Will they be viewed as a bigot? Will they be, you know, um, will they be ostracized from their community for speaking out what, with what we know is true? If we look back, even just eight to 10 years ago, our world was not like this. It has changed drastically in this very short amount of time. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that 100%. Uh, This is a conversation that I I have with people often about people, because like you say, it's a part of human nature, it's a vulnerability that we have, that we, we care too much about what other people think. Uh, and that kind of uh, stops us in our path of doing the right thing or the the moral thing. Um, and I'm not talking about how the leftists uh, are claiming to have the moral high ground in every every uh, political case because they don't. But um, when you're too afraid to speak out, you're contributing to atrocities happening. Just look at the pandemic. Yeah. When you uh, like you, anyone that's gone through these past three years and don't think that anything was wrong, well, they're a lost cause. I will just say that. But a lot of people knew that there was something fishy. Like, how can you trust a, a health government saying that you know the virus doesn't attack you when you sit down, but you have to wear a mask when you stand up? All of these illogical things that we were put through. And not having the courage uh, or the balls to speak up. Exactly. That to me is frustrating. Same. And, you know, fear is such a strong proponent. But, you know, I I think that initially they really just put the fear of God into people. Um, You know, we had people that were afraid. When I worked, you know, I worked in the hospital as an ICU nurse through the pandemic. And um, there were a lot of times where our ICU wasn't filled with COVID patients, but it was filled with uh, patients who had waited too long. Uh, you know, they had let their other illnesses, their diabetes, their congestive heart failure, all of the other things that they kind of let go because they were so afraid to go to the ER. I mean, they had the media had these people literally afraid to breathe air. They, yeah, it, it was absurd. And the more that we saw that happening, um, you know, we just it was like people just lost all sense of reality. And if we talk about like mass formation psychosis, I think that the numbers on that were like 30%, I think it was about 30% of people were just completely brainwashed 
completely falling like hook, line, and sinker for the narrative. And then about 40% were, they kind of knew that this was, you know, this, that this was just all um, an absurdity, but they were too afraid to speak out against the narrative. And then there was another 30%, which I'm certain that you and I both fall into, who are just completely immune to you know, to, to the narrative. We just didn't buy it for a second. And I don't know what the commonalities, do you have any thoughts on what are the commonalities between those of us in that 30% um, that didn't fall for it at all? I mean, we can say critical thinkers for sure. Do you think that there's any other, you know, commonalities between those of us who are awake? I think curiosity has a lot to do with it, to be honest. Uh, critical thinker, yes. Um, but also curiosity and, and <laughs> logic. Mm -hmm. um, because I think one of the, the problems that we face in our communities and, in, and globally is the fact that people don't use their common sense and logic. Logic is gone. And I don't know how it is in the US, but I can speak to Norway, which is a fairly small country. We're 5.5 million people. We're not even a big or even small city in a lot of countries, you know, our whole population. We're very compliant. Everyone wants to think that the government wants what's best for us. That's how we've been, been raised, right? It's in our, in our blood, basically. Um, but the fact that... Um, the media and, and governments, they drip a little and a, like one drop at a time, removing logic. And in our school, uh, topics and, and classes that are logic logic based are not, you know, the, the, they're trying to push other topics like math and stuff like that. They don't really care about it anymore is my yeah. my impression. And that kind of takes away from from learning uh, younger people to think logically and they get all this um, illogic, I guess you could say, through the school system, through the media. Um, our school books is is absolutely upside down world, I'll tell you. Um, so yeah, I think logic has a lot to do with it, Kimberly. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't like I can't speak to Norway, but I can speak to in America anyway. I feel like for decades now, maybe longer, they have certainly been kind of dumbing down society. If you think back to or if you looked back at like the things that the children would study, you know, back in the 1800s, let's say, um, they I mean, the the things that they were studying, the, the the level of education for children was so much higher. But as you know, time has gone on, it just seems like they are just dumbing down society. Even just from the time that I was in school, um, it's, I've been out of high school. What did I say the other day? I came to this realization that I had been out of high school, I think 28 or 29 years, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. <laughs> so it's been a while, but not that long. And even in that short amount of time, it seems that, you know, kids are just not learning anymore. It's like they're learning ideology mm -hmm. and that's it. It's they're not learning, um, you know, history for certain. I mean, again, as you said earlier, history is written by the winners, but it's, it seems that they are completely rewriting history or not teaching it at all. They are rewriting it. And the, the first and foremost great example of that is what we saw during the pandemic that has nothing to do with the pandemic per se, but 
the tearing down of statues and monuments, uh, important people uh, in history and, and you know, uh, black shaping them into being bigots and racists. And these are people who build our our uh, countries, our communities, our understanding of the world, right? And who has been heroes for, for years and years. And all of a sudden, uh, they they did that, and on top of that, in the name of critical race theory in in Scandinavia, they started uh, rewriting old books. I don't know if you're aware, but we have this character is a children's book by Astrid Lindgren. She's a Swedish writer, and she's written Pippi Longstocking. And Pippi was a huge part of our culture for me, anyway, as a child. Yeah. Pippi was um, my idol uh, in a lot of ways, and I know that's true to a lot of little Scandinavian girls, at least my age. And um, they started rewriting the Pippi books. They they took out the fact that he, the they call it uh, the Pippi's dad is a quote-unquote direct translation Negro King is it what is written in the books and they rewrote it to King of the Seven Oceans um, it's like minor things like that but they got greedy and they started doing this to a lot of book and we ended up recently with having our uh, our, our painting of Life Erikson which was uh, I think one of the discoverers of of the U.S. actually um, some at some point in time I think you actually have a day for him here in the US but the National Gallery wanted to remove the the picture because it's what uh, quote unquote uh, col- colonizing and like what what what's going on this is rewriting history right and all we can do you know is look back on history and we can try to learn and we can try to move forward but if you look at people like you know Christopher Columbus for example um you know was a you know he's in the 15th century right and he is you know Today, he's being tried in a 21st century court for crimes that he committed, right? That were acceptable at that time. I mean, you can't, you know, we have the privilege and, and you know, the benefit of hindsight, right? That's, that's awesome. But we cannot continue to do that. You know, we have to just understand our history and learn from it. That's how we grow, not by rewriting it to suit, you know, whatever ideology. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're too fragile to understand, want to know or understand that the world was different in the past, then I'm sorry, but man up. Exactly. It's the same thing when they were a couple years ago. I can remember them just um, having just a meltdown over uh, the Little House on the Prairie books. I mean, they were written in like the 1800s. So they, you know, history you can't you can't judge history by the way the world is today that is a completely unfair standard to apply um, to to things that happened in the 1800s where they may have called somebody or referred to somebody as a negro that was acceptable in that time exactly doesn't make somebody a bigot um and and reading the books doesn't make someone a bigot so um but i think that we would go a long way to understanding history if we stopped uh, you know, just completely changing everything. Yeah, you take away the the opportunity to know what it was like uh, in earlier times. And like you say, you won't be able to grow, develop, um, or think critically. This is a part of, I guess you could call it an agenda, um, but it's an ideology uh, thing. Like it's, it's, 
it's a part of the ideology to to make sure that there's not no no um trace of you know anything that that doesn't fit their agenda or or their ideology because if it if you do that might wake some common sense or some critical thinking in people I don't know how familiar you are with George Orwell's 1984, but uh, it is a double think. And, you know, uh, rewriting history to suit today's standards is a part of that. It, it takes away, like it confuses people. What It's a form of gaslighting, really. Absolutely. And, you know, so as as COVID came out, you know, and I think that many people are, are feeling the same way. Like I started questioning. I've always been inquisitive and I've always had that sense of curiosity. And I would always ask, you know, well, but why? But why? But not to the point that COVID, I feel like they really overplayed their hand. Big Pharma, the captured government agencies, all of them, they they totally overplayed their hand here. So if there's any silver lining to COVID, I believe it is that. And, and in the process, so many have really awakened to what's been going on for a long time. And I don't know about you, I question everything now. Like I go back and I start looking at things, events that have happened in my lifetime or before in history and wondering, you know, did we really go to the moon? I don't know. <laughs> I'm starting to question that for sure. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't really don't think so. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, how much of it has been going on, like this level of propaganda that we have just been asleep at the wheel and going on about our lives and not realizing that we were being totally played. Oh, for years, for sure. Um, I think uh, what was interesting, I heard Robert Kennedy Jr. talking about, and this was after, uh, I think it was Biden who didn't want to release the documents from the shooting um, that this uh, Bobby Kennedy was talking about that they have the deep state, if you will, have been doing this for years and years and years and years, like 1960s, 1970s. Like it really makes you think, and I'm 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 with you on that, being uh, critical towards everything these days because they did outplay outplay their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, they were too greedy during the pandemic. They relied too much on the fact that people wouldn't. Uh, be rational at all, but there's always some rationality to um, at least a group of people. I mean, if you look at um, World War II, um, and specifically Norway, we had a resistance group that we called the guys in the forest, uh, which we were very proud of because they did sabotage a lot of Germany's efforts uh, in Norway. Um, But um, if you ask Norwegian people today, uh, how was World War II? Like, do you have some relatives or whatever? And and uh, all of a sudden, they're all the resistance, right? Yeah. But the fact that was, it was not like that in Norway during that time period. Most people complied to the German occupation of Norway. So um, speaking of how we write history, <laughs> it's, it's not always, uh, you know, 100% correct, but um, there is always a, a, a group of resistant people that will think critically and they cannot get to them. And I think that, um, you know, people being quiet for such a long time, complying and these little drips that have made them able to make people comply to like the weirdest things like drag shows for kids. Like, come on, it's just absurd. And 
uh, them outplaying their hand with COVID, saying that you had needed to take a vaccine, first of all, putting fear in everyone, and then promoting a vaccine that that nobody really knew anything about. Um, and and still today having people say that they they want to boost because they want to protect grandma, even though we know for a fact that that it doesn't stop transmission at all. Uh, if, I think it was Naomi Wolf that said um, the mo- the third most common side effect from from the vaccine is actually COVID nineteen. So yep. um, yeah, no, I they outplay their hand like that would wake. I I, I think your statement is true. A lot more people did wake um, traveling these past this past year really because I didn't travel a lot during twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, but. Uh, traveling to these conferences uh, that I've been covering as a reporter, meeting that the audience has really been the most uplift, uplifting thing for me, Kimberly, because there's a lot of, and I, I didn't know that this was going to happen, but there's a lot of women yes. who, uh, they, they're awakened because you're talking about health and the future of their children and they're not having, they're not having it. Yeah, not at all. They, they've they've definitely awakened the mama bears. Oh um, yeah. But you know, to your point um, about a small group of people, you know, I just actually um, posted that quote on my Facebook. Uh, just I think it was this morning or last night, but you know, it was a, a quote from Margaret Mead, and it's you know, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24-7. Great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time in this The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com. 
was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gifts of your time. Be sure you're making AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, we've been talking with Norwegian journalist and a host of Eret Pesak, Rebecca Mistragan. Rebecca, thanks again for being here with me today. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor, Kimberly. Absolutely. And, you know, recently you were in Phoenix covering the Senate hearings that were led by uh, Senator Janae Shamp. And um, I'm going to stop being jealous about going. I, I was supposed to go and then I didn't end up going because I waited too long to book. So I'm so upset that I didn't get to go out there. Um, really wanted to be a part of that event. But it was a, a two-day event and it included expert testimony from a panel of guests. And that included doctors uh, Peter McCullough, Richard Urso, Pierre Corey, George Fareed, uh, just to name a few of them. Um, but from my perspective, it was a very good event. I watched the live stream and... You know, it was, I thought it was put together well. And uh, these courageous physicians, they brought the fire that I was hoping for. They did. They brought it with straight facts and with science. Um, but what was your takeaway from actually being there in the audience, being there live? And what was the overall consensus from those who were in attendance? So yet again, it was, uh, it was a lot of women. That is uh, that is always a thing with these uh, hearings or conferences or, um, you know, get togethers uh, talking about the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, early treatment vaccine, what really happened. It's filled with women primarily. Um, so that that was no different this time around. It was a lot of women that was present for this um, for this hearing, if you want to call it that. Uh, and uh, the audience was very engaged, uh, very, very much so. I could hear them answering questions and agreeing. And, you know, um, it was electrical, uh, to be honest, Kimberly. I could feel that 
they really wanted to applaud and stand uh, at some points uh, during this. Uh, well, you should have heard me from here watching the live stream. I was up out of my chair and cheering them on as they uh, as they were going. So I can imagine how maybe it was a good thing I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, you were missed. Um, wow. You were really missed there. Um, but yeah, no, it was actually. I've been to a few. I've been to a couple in in Austria. I've been to a conference in Stockholm. I've been to two conferences in my home country. Um, this is by far the best one I have attended. Uh, it was so straight to the point. Uh, it was a great teamwork between the doctors filling in uh, on their reps, their their expertise in the right places, uh, talking about this complex, difficult topics. So uh, it gave a really great um, context to everything, and they hit us with the numbers, the the the, the science, the data. The facts, uh, and we were having a conversation earlier, Kimberly, about facts. Um, a lot of uh, people, you know, Fauci included and, and government included, wants you to think that they can predict the future and tell you that these predictions are facts, right? They did, they did this with the vaccine. They had no, absolutely no grounds of saying anything about it, really, other than the fantasies that they were serving the people because the facts are what already already happened. You cannot predict facts. That is a fact. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, the doctors brought the facts, they brought the truth and they, they did it in such a manner that was absolutely exquisite. I tell you, it's the best one I've, I've sat in on so it far. It really was. I felt the same way, you know, watching here on the live stream and it was, they really played well off of one another. Uh, as you said, they kind of came in and interjected their own personal expertise in the right, you know, places. And, um, you know, for, for myself, you know, I worked in the ICU through the, through the pandemic and from the very beginning to me, nothing made any sense. It was just completely illogical. Every new COVID policy seemed to fly in the face of everything we had long done and known to be true in science and using evidence-based practices, which we call it in nursing. And, you know, nothing made sense. They had us wearing our N95 masks. Uh, from one uh, one patient room, our non-COVID patient room, to our COVID patient room. Um, and, you know, that is something in pre-COVID infection control policy does not allow for anything like that to happen. So just that alone was enough for me to be like, wait a minute, what's happening here? And I can remember them telling me that I, I was trying to get um, ibuprofen ordered for one of my COVID patients. And I can remember them saying, oh, oh no, uh, they just came out and told us that ibuprofen is contraindicated in COVID patients. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Why would it be contraindicated? Well, I guess it is contraindicated if you know your goal is um, to murder them, to not pull any punches there. But I mean, I guess then that would be contraindicated because it's not hard. Oh God, I said that. <laughs> it's not that hard, Kimberly. It's, it's not that hard. Oh my God, that's a little inside joke um, <laughs> between all of us and Dr. Ursa, who that's I think his favorite saying. It's not hard, uh, and he and I, he says it multiple times, and I think that's just hysterical because now I'm saying it. So Lord help me. Anyway, but it's he's right though. It's not that hard to understand that when we have a virus 
even if they're out there, you know, outside of the replication phase, right, we mitigate damage at this point, right? So we, we use steroids, we use anti-inflammatories, um, we use vitamin C, we do all of the things to mitigate the damage of the virus, period. And then they just stop doing that. It was basically go home and so you can't breathe, come back when you're a good, a good candidate for a ventilator. That's where yeah. we're at. And it was it was disturbing. I, I watched them intubate patients, you know, not for uh, any medical benefit to them, but to contain a virus to protect people around them. That was what the PPE was for. Right. And we'd already been exposed at this point. Why would you ever put a patient in a position like this um, and put them into a very risky medical intervention? Uh, when we knew that 80% of those patients placed on a ventilator didn't make it off only because it would place, uh, it would, the ventilator is a closed circuit system and then the virus is no longer disseminated in the air. Um, that is something that to me was just completely egregious. It was something I'd never seen in my 25 plus years in healthcare. And it was enough for me to say, I'm done here. I have to walk away and I have to say something because this is not about patient care any longer. So I was glad to see that so many doctors, and I know actually Dr. Urso was one of them who pointed that out, and I was so glad he did it. He pointed out that we were ventilating and intubating these patients when they did not need it, they weren't in distress. And that's something that I feel like is being ignored and they wanna pass for it now. What did they call it, Rebecca? Um, COVID amnesty. Mm -hmm. COVID amnesty, that's correct. The Atlantic was out with that pretty, uh, not early, but, you know, when the tide started to turn, yeah. that's what started to, the Atlantic was the, the first one out with uh, COVID amnesty. Yes. Yeah. Insulting. It's insulting. It's extremely insulting. Like there will be no amnesty because I'm sorry, but these people that have been silent for so long, I, you know, I could understand in the very beginning, people were scared, but after so much time has passed at this point, if you're complicit, if you're silent, you're complicit. You are. I agree you have to be held accountable at some point. And they, we're beyond that point, as far as I'm concerned. Um, silence, be silent now. And it's just really frightening. Like, what is, is it that they are just completely complicit in the lie or that they don't know any better when they really should? And you know, which one of those scenarios is more frightening to you, that they don't know any better or that they're just complicit? Oh, the second one for sure. But you know, there's a saying that says, um, it's easier to fool somebody than to to show them uh, or tell them or have them accept that they have been fooled for that's some true. reason. Yeah, that's true. I think what I think some of them are waking up, but they'll never admit it. They will oh, yeah. admit it to themselves or definitely to other people. So I have a lot of a lot of respect for those who, you know, early on may have initially been afraid and kind of following the narrative. I, I get it. Right. But I give so many props to those who stood up and say, hey, I was wrong. I was duped. You know, I, I, I respect the hell out of those people, but there's just not enough of them, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but as to that, so that event was really was amazing. But, you know, the event was it was surrounded by a little bit of controversy. Um, but, you know, actually, what isn't these days? Right. Um, but the the acronym that they used, right, it was NCSWIC. And many have called that um, a dog whistle to followers of QAnon. They were calling that a derivative of the phrase uh, that's very popular with the, the QAnon 
uh, crowd that it's it's nothing can stop what is coming. Now, what it actually stood for was it stands for Novel Coronavirus Southwest Intergovernmental Committee. Now, was that just a coincidence? I don't, I don't know. I couldn't say for sure, but it did seem to be embraced by officials in charge of the events. So, as the phrase they had posted that phrase, uh, "Nothing can stop what is coming." as part of their social media promotions. Um, so it was making some some involved a little bit uncomfortable with the direction that event was going. Do you have any thoughts about that at all? Um, I have a lot of thoughts about the concept of it, not that in particular uh, to this event. I mean, um, this event was, like I said, one of the best ones I have attended. It was absolutely mind-blowing. They did a fantastic job with getting the information out. Uh, in a in a manner that was uh, such a great teamwork and so much expertise uh, together in in one room. With that said, you know um, this whole concept of scaring people from speaking is something that we have seen for for years and years, and it's been very prominent throughout the Corona pandemic. Or yeah, with your the the, the scamdemic, if you want to call it that. Uh, because uh, they don't want people to speak up. So they, they make the effort to to silence people uh, by scaring them to be social outcasts. And using QAnon or whatever, the bigot, racist, um, anti-scientific person, or whatever you want to call them uh, by names and categories, uh, it doesn't really have to make any sense either. Like, you know, if, if you're anti COVID-19 vaccine, you're suddenly a bigot and a racist also, you know, it's just, it's all these name calling and categorizing is a way of, sh- of shutting people up. Uh, and, and they, they, they do it. They, they're successful at it. Uh, and I think um, in regards to this event, I don't know what was intentional or non-intentional in this case, and I cannot speak to that, mm-hmm. but I think that, um, we need to 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 raise our chin and stand up tall and you know flex that spine because even though some people want to you know destroy important events like this by by categorizing and name calling um we can't let them no i agree completely i think you know as long as we stand in our own righteous truth and we speak that that's that's what we're called to do Right. That's what we're called to do. And there's no shame in that. So I think I think it was a great, great event. Um, I, either way, like I said, I don't know. I don't know the intentions behind all of that. And to be honest, I don't even really care. I'm just glad that the event took place and I'm glad that some light was was shown on these issues. Um, I, I think nursing was was missing there. I uh, you know, I'm always a big stickler about we want nursing represented. Um, in these conversations, because there's just if wherever there is a table where patient care is being discussed, a nurse should always, always have a seat at it. Always. I agree. Yeah, I, I truly agree to that. Nurses are the are the the people that are in direct contact with patients first and foremost. Yeah. And um, also you have a lot of knowledge that you're never recognized for. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on that, but in this event, um, being so good at it as it was, and don't forget it was inside this, the, the Senate, 
Uh, we had one similar to this in the EU Parliament not too long ago. And the fact that doctors are invited and nurses uh, are invited into um, government buildings to talk about this is yeah. a huge step forward. Exactly. A huge that progress. One. That is absolutely progress. And every time we have the opportunity, and that's actually my goal, Rebecca, for, for this next year coming up, is that I want to get in front of as many legislative bodies, as many legislators as I possibly can, and let them bear witness to my testimony of what I witnessed at the bedside and how we move forward. This is so important. And I would encourage all other nurses who have seen and, and have a, 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 something to say about what has happened to please come forward and please let your voices be heard. But I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, in our last few minutes here, you sent me an article this morning. And I'm going to try really hard not to get upset about this article because it was, I, I try to get all of the bad words out this morning because I'm not supposed to say them on the air. Um, so I'm going to do really, I'm going to try really hard. But so this is if you, yeah, Rolling Stone magazine. So, I mean, I really don't have to say much more than that, right? Um, it's called Death by Protocol. And then it goes on to say, Arizona Republicans embrace QAnon with quack COVID hearing. All I needed to read was was the uh, headline before my blood was boiling, and I'm pretty sure that my blood pressure was through the roof. But it says a new committee has adopted a hashtag from the conspiracy theories followers and is holding a two-day anti-vax circus at the state capitol. Um, you read, obviously, you read the article. What are your thoughts on uh, this article by uh, Tim Dickinson, who was a journalist there, a political writer at Rolling Stone? First of all, I started laughing. I, I know the initial uh, reaction would be anger, but yeah. you know I've been in this game for a long time now, um, and uh, I, I encounter people like this uh, writer right here on pretty much daily, uh, working for the media house that I'm working for, and so at this point, I find it comical. Like how many words. Uh, how many categorizations and name name call calling words could you put into one sentence? Like this guy should be winning an award, I tell you. He's doing a great job at fear porn, uh, propagandist bullshit. I'm sorry, I'm not well, sure if I'm allowed I'll to mute, say that. I'll but... mute that out. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing a great job at it, uh, and it's it's, it's comical. Um, you know, it's just. I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, uh, he's he's got the MAGA Republicans, QAnon, um, deep state, um, conspiracy theory, a demonic child sex traffickers. Uh, like he's he's really went at it, Kimberly. Like this is just a masterpiece of fear porn and smudging and uh, yeah he should win an award for this uh, right. and you're right to your point it is it is comical to read it i think you know initially i get very angry and i you know in this particular group of doctors who i know them all personally as you do as well and i think I, you know i'm just very protective about, uh, over them and you know if you come out against them i'm gonna i i get a little upset I'm going to admit mm -hmm. to that right now. You come against <laughs> these guys and I'm, 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 I'm coming for you. Okay. Like I'm coming for you. But so initially it's just, that's my, my reaction is to be very protective and very defensive of them um, because they are, they're truly 
amazing. I mean, and take, you know, just the humanitarian side away from uh, out of the picture. They are just well-respected physicians. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough is one of the, the, he's probably the most published in his field of cardiology. Um, and he's been respected for many, many years. Uh, same with Dr. Urso, very well-respected physician. Um, Dr. Farid uh, as well, and Dr. Pierre Corey. They, these are physicians who have always been well-respected, but as soon as they didn't go along with the narrative, everything changed. They were then qu- called quacks and discredited, mm-hmm. and uh, they were, you know, purveyors of misinformation or disinformation. Well, who decides what is misinformation or disinformation? Who decides that? That That is the the writers of the mis and uh, and disinformation that decides that uh kimberly and that is the people like this writer for the rolling stone this is a decoy so you have an event coming up in in the in the senate and what you're focusing on as a, a so-called journalist is the headline uh being QAnon-ish, uh because that suits your narrative i mean he could have chosen uh a thousand other things to to um, to put his focus on, but what about focusing on the data? What about showing up there? And, and if you're if you mean that if if your if your view is that this is all quack nonsense, come there, listen, pick apart the data, do your job as a journalist, go digging into what they're actually talking about and stop this ridiculous decoying, name calling, categorizing, trying to twist this into being uh, something dangerous and and installing fear in people, uh, making sure that people are afraid to think for themselves and speaking up. This is people like this, it's publication like Rolling Stone, that is the core issue to our society. They need to go. 100%. And thank God that we have journalists like yourself with integrity and who will isn't they just not afraid to stand up and speak for that righteous truth that I spoke about in the beginning of today's episode. Rebecca, we could go on for hours and hours. I'm sure there's this no shortage of, you know, topics that we could talk about and I absolutely I have to have you back on because there's so many gosh, there's so many more things that we could go into but um limited time today i thank you so much for joining me and i look forward to having you on again i look forward to that as well kimberly thank you so much for having me on thank you and that's all the time that we have for today friends but remember we are here on the air five days a week monday through friday at 10 a.m eastern with a different nurse host daily you can also catch the encore at 11 p.m eastern standard time please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Make sure to tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle because we are in a war for the truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our light 
and expose the darkness. It's time